Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Silence is complacency. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and Chevrolet are teaming up for Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America, and we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about race and the American dream. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Priyanka Chopra has been working in the entertainment industry for over 20 years and began to see a change in the industry with more female leading roles and ethnicities on the big screen. Priyanka was the first South Asian to star in an American network drama series when she starred in the series Quantico in 2015. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Priyanka Chopra recalls living in various continents, what it's like for her to break barriers in the TV and film industry, and her upcoming project, White Tiger. I like the fireplace behind you. Thanks, babe. I, you know, I committed to the Zoom interview thing a long time ago. Just like you kind of have a background and, you know, you're like, okay, this is my office. That's what I've done. I got myself some Amazon lights, got a digital camera, <laughs> little fireplace, I, you know. I, I love it. Now, are you have a good seat or no? Do you have a nice seat? Yeah, it's comfortable. It's not that bad. Okay, okay. Now, I feel a little honored because I feel like you dressed up even more. I saw you on Ellen and I saw you on Stephen Colbert. And I feel like this is like a wonderful outfit. So I feel I, I feel a little extra lucky here. Well, thank you. This is an Isabel Morant, you know, so. Very nice. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. And what's London like right now? Is it freezing? Is it um, I'm in California where it's I'd say it's moderate right now. Is it what's London like as we speak? I mean, it's gray like london usually (laughs) is but not being able to go out we're in a full lockdown right now here um we're not being able to step out except for film and tv work which is allowed in the uk um everything else is really shut so you're just going to studio at home studio at home you know it's kind of crazy but it's also rainy it's the sun shows up in patches as it always does gives us a little you know breath of spring but it's not here yet Wait, now, are you an exercise person? Do you run or do anything like that to uh, 
clear your mind or give you a little bit of peace? Well, not for joy, but for my dog, yes. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is truth. I love that. That is good. Wait, now, did you ever play a sport or no? Were you ever... Uh, were you ever swam if that counts i I, i'm I'm more of a spectator when it comes to sports um i love watching sports but i don't like playing it but you know um i for a very long time got away with having a really you know fast metabolism but you touch your 30s and then you know it's like oh 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 So now, yes, I'm someone who works out five days a week. <laughs> okay. Wait, now, have you done that healthy eating thing that I feel like some of the uh, 30-somethings do where all of a sudden there's like a wild switch and uh, you're eating healthy kale? Are you doing that yet? Well, not that extreme, but I try to. Every time, like, I, I don't order the pizza or, you know, the, the noodles that I used to as much. You know, I'm like, all right, let me... I'll, I'll order the pizza, but then, um, you know, for the next two days, I'll eat salad. Like, I have to compromise with myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, uh, I love talking, uh, talking ourselves into uh, to all these good things. Um, you know, the most yeah, fun... You negotiate with yourself. I, I do, because I am a... Uh, yeah, I'm a serious... I have three sisters, and I was their garbage can. I was a person who ate all the food they didn't want. And you can't keep doing that uh, forever, especially when you're in quarantine and there's uh, there's limited exercise. So um, uh, do you have- I think it's made us so resilient, though. You know, I've been working out um, online, sometimes with a trainer, sometimes with, you know, those apps that you have online. And, you know, without needing a gym, you can get so much in with just bands and, you know, just like just having a mat and your own body weight. It's like, it showed me that, you know, there's never really an excuse now. What are you, the push-ups? Can you do a, pu- can you do push-ups? Yeah. I, I get to about 25, 30. I can do that. Come on Quantico. That's a, that's a lot. That's strong. <laughs> that, that's serious. That's uh, okay. That's uh, all right. So you really, all right. So you're, 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 uh, you're underplaying how much, uh, how much exercise. That's a real athlete if you're doing 25 No, I'm, or I'm generally, like, yeah. I think I'm strong because I've been a dancer. I've done yeah. stunts. You know, I, my job sort of requires yeah, me to be physical. Right. But um, I've never been someone who's been into training. But it helps yeah. to be able to have that agility in my job both ways, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I am strong, but I'm not fond of the having to do it thing. Yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, you made me smile. You completely surprised me. This was a couple years ago. Uh, I think you said that you had a crush what did I on. Do now? Well, no, it was beautiful. It actually, you totally made a big new fan. You did I hear you say that Tupac was your uh, was a crush of yours back in the day? Yeah, I mean, think about it. This was like nineteen ninety six. You know, and I was living in Queens, New York, at that point, just about you know finding myself uh and uh, he was a large part of it i just discovered that music i had just discovered um you know hip-hop in general you know dre tlc destiny's child tupac biggie like this was at that turn when you know i was a teenager and he was a large part of that for me i was very very upset when you know he was shot so take me back to queens for some reason i had missed that I, I I felt like you grew up in India, and for some reason, I had in my mind that you were largely in India, traveling the world, but I didn't have you living in Queens as a teen, so catch so me So it's there. peculiar, but I lived in India until I was 12 years old, and okay. um, then I came to the U.S. to visit my mom's 
family, my mom's sister and my cousins and everyone was here. And, um, you know, I was kind of bought in by the big high schools and the not having to wear uniforms. And like, you know, in our, in my school, you wore uniforms and girls wore makeup in like middle school. At that time at 12, I was like, yes, I want to study in this magical land of vanity. And, you know, I told my mom <laughs> that I want to move here. And, you know, my mom's sister was very happy to take me in. So I kind of lived with my mom's sister and brother for a period of about three or four years. And they moved around in their jobs. So I lived in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I was in Indianapolis for a bit. I was in Queens, um, Flushing, Queens, actually, for a good year. Then I was also in Newton, Mass, before I went back to India. That blows my mind. So wait, did you go to high school here in the States or just junior high? I went to high school in the States. Junior high was in India. So like eighth, ninth, 10th, almost 11th grade was here. And so what did they call you? Did they call you Priyanka? Did you have a, a nickname at that point? Um, most people call me Priyanka or Pri. Okay. Uh, you know, everybody came down to usually calling me Pri. Yeah. Um, that was my cool name at that point. But, you know, at that time, it always changed. Like, I had a lot of, like, street names, you know? Like, I was like, Pre, a.k.a. Sunshine, <laughs> a.k.a. whatever, you know? <laughs> so it changed according to your mood. <laughs> I, I so love that. I did not know that. So you really do have, like, a beautiful mixed experience growing up from Iowa to, to Newton to and, – and where in India did you, did you grow up? Well, again, because my parents were in the military, we moved every two or three years. So, you know, I lived in New Delhi. I lived in Lucknow. I lived in Pune. There were so many cities that I moved around in. Um, but when I went back from the U.S. at six, 17, 16 um, to India, um, I moved to this small town called Bareilly. And uh, it was, you know, it was like such an amazing mix of, you know, going from like, Boston, Newton to Bareilly was such a big change. And and were you a quiet kid? Were you were you confident kid? Were you now the young woman who had like been in in Newton and New York and everywhere else? And so she was kind of the uh, local superstar. What were you like? Yeah, it was kind of all of those things. Like in the beginning, when you know, I was a very confident kid growing up. I used to always be playing with the boys. Like I was always the, you know, ready to tumble, climb the trees, you know, take the bike out kind of girl. And then as soon as I was 13 years old, I moved to the U.S. And I mean, kids here are extremely aware of you know their vanity and who they are and what they're growing up as at 13 and back in India, you know, we wear uniforms so that everybody's the same. You kind of, you know, focus on um, your education and growing up, you know, this was like, it was like saved by the bell for me when I came from India to the U.S. And it was all so new and I was very insecure. I looked different. I felt different. Um, there were very few people that kind of looked like me at that time. But, you know, I had um, a large amounts of friends um, that were all misfits and we kind of came together and um, you know I had a, a tumultuous high school experience like most high school kids high school is a scary time you know because you're becoming you're coming out your own um, but by the time yeah I went back to India I had you know found my feet I was a little bit of a local peacock 
and I didn't mind showing my feathers off. <laughs> I, I, I so and are you the only child, or or do you have brothers and sisters? I have a younger brother, but I was the only child for about seven years. So um, I hated it when he came into the picture. I was like, "What is this thing doing in my world?" <laughs> <laughs> and did you ever turn into the good big sister, or no? At, like after I was maybe 22, <laughs> up until then, I was just like, you in my space. <laughs> he probably did not appreciate that, but he hopefully, hopefully he, there's greater appreciation now. So wait, so how did you decide to do the pageant? And I'm, I'm so interested in a bunch of stuff about now you're, I wanted to talk about White Tiger, but now I'm interested in all this early life stuff. So like, how did you decide to do the pageant? Like, how did this young woman decide to go on this journey? So I actually didn't decide it. It was sort of fate that kind of did it. So when I came back to India and I was 17, my brother was 10 years old. He was kicked out of his room because, you know, I was a 17 year old. So my dad was like, well, she needs her own room. And my brother was kicked out and he was said, you either live with the grandmother or my mom put a bed in between their bedroom and mine and said, well, that's your new room. And he hated me for it. He was like, who is this chick that's come into my life and just taken over my things? And he, at 10 years old, we used to watch the Miss India pageant every year. Like it was a thing. Right. At 10 years old, had the idea to tell my mom, he saw an ad in the magazine and he said, you know, she's just taken some pictures. I'd, I'd gotten these mall shots, you know, the ones with like soft focus, your hand on your face, um, had gotten those pictures taken and he had them in front of her and he said why don't we send these pictures in and maybe you know she'll have to go to Mumbai if she gets selected he just wanted to get me out of the house and get his room back and my mom found it funny and went with it and once I got selected I mean I'm competitive so you put me in a competition and I'm gonna swim um and you know that's just how it happened it wasn't an ambition it wasn't something I grew up with as an aspiration it was my brother and his, you know, his pageantry suffrages. <laughs> Wait, so that is that is brilliant and tip of the cap to brother. Well, by the way, what's your brother's name? His name is Sid, Siddharth. Siddharth. So, all right, tip of the cap to Sid. Uh, you, you did you did good things here. So, wait, what would have happened if Sid hadn't suggested that? Like, what do you think, where would you be? Do sliding doors, where would you be? Well, I wanted to, I was actually applying for a scholarship program for an engineering um, you know, I wanted to get into some form of tech. I was very into math and science at that point. Technology really fascinated me. This was the turn of the, you know, millennium at that point. And, you know, information was a really big deal. The internet had just come in. So I was very curious about all of that. I might have gotten into tech if I hadn't have done this, but whatever it would have been, I would have swum real fast. <laughs> and, and is that from your mom, from your dad, or from someone else? Where's this good competitive fire come from? Both my parents, very ambitious. I've seen the benefits of being ambitious and having, um, you know, dreams and desires and a sense of purpose. Uh, both my parents were physicians and um, very competitive and wanting to build a better life for themselves. And I saw the merit in that. So I was, and that was always, always encouraged in me too, to, you know, want more for myself. And I am really grateful I had that trait. Silence is complacency. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and Chevrolet are teaming up for Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America, and we're inviting you to help. 
Join compelling conversations on race and the American dream hosted by me, Carlos Watson. In these special episodes of The Carlos Watson Show, I'll be joined by key leaders and thinkers from across the country. We'll have pointed conversations to identify problems and arm you with solutions. If you're ready to make an impact, look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or on the audio version, look for The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to meet the moment. We'll hold the spot for you. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to on Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where... A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you ever have meaningful fear and do you still, because you know a lot of people are ambitious, some people dream fearlessly, but a lot of people, mm, we hesitate, we feel stuck, we feel like we're not quite sure. Did you ever have any of that or or no? Were you blessed in a different oh, of way? Of course, of yeah. course. You know, no one has a 100% track record of being a certain way. Yeah. Change is the most constant thing in life. And, you know, there are times where I felt stuck and it's okay to be stuck for a little while. And it's okay to feel vulnerable and it's okay to leave something unfinished as well. Like I have tried various things because I like to try new things and I want to evolve. But you know, when something doesn't work out, you have to give it your 100% and then just back off, try something else. Aliyah said this, 
um, dust yourself off and try again. It's really as simple as that. You know what? I mean, how are you going to win points like that? Like quoting Aaliyah, may she rest in peace. That's great. All right. So what is your karaoke song? If, uh, uh, if you and a, uh, and a and a well-known singer of your choice, uh, uh, I'm assuming your husband, were to do karaoke, what is your what is your individual song and what is your duet? I hate karaoke. I'm terrified of karaoke. No. I love being a spectator of karaoke. Okay. I love watching my friends make fools of themselves, but I ain't gonna be that fool. <laughs> <laughs> I never do it. I'm so terrified of it. No. Um, especially around. My husband, no way am I picking up a mic next to that. Yeah. All right, so now give <laughs> I'm me. I'm very a, pragmatic that way. Are you? You know, I actually I love karaoke. I should not love karaoke as bad as I am, but I actually really love it. I love it. It's fun. It, it's fun. It's, it's silly. Fun. It's, it's I love silly, watching it's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And in certain parts of the world, they really. If you've ever been to Vietnam, I think in in uh, in Vietnam they have some of the most fun with uh, with karaoke. They make it really. Uh, I've never been to party. Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely uh, that's definitely worth uh, worth going to. So so how is marriage? I know you probably get asked that all the time, but have you learned anything really substantive and and interesting about love and about and about marriage uh, being married the last couple of years, or is it largely what you saw with your parents and maybe what you expected? No, I think um, marriage, everyone's marriage is an individual experience. Every relationship is very individual and different to the ones you've had or witnessed. Um, and I think you have to treat it with that individuality and respect. And um, I think that the one thing that I've come to recognize is the best part of marriage is it doesn't have to be crazy and extravagant and large. It's the normal love that's beautiful, you know? It's like knowing that you, someone has your back. It's knowing that, you know, your interest will come first. Your partner will do that. It's like normal things that you can do for each other, having conversations for hours and not remembering what you talked about, you know? Little things like that. Um, I never realized that that's what was really beautiful. That's really nice as you say that. That is, uh, I think that is that is nice and true. It's funny. It's uh, um, uh, Ava DuVernay, who I know you're working with uh, uh, on the film, uh, said uh, said something kind of similar. I was asking her about the most interesting thing she learned about love, and she also talked about its simplicity uh, and being open and being. I think I can't remember the word she used, but almost being um, allowing it to be, not forcing it. Uh, into a space. Not needing to force it, not yeah. needing it to be something that you want, but just being at peace with it being around you and allowing it to engulf you. And it's just the normalcy of it, which is the no drama is great. <laughs> and are you a no drama person? Are you a, uh, in your private life, are you a, uh, are you an easygoing person? Um, I'm a, I'm a, Come on, look at me. I'm not a no drama girl. <laughs> that's, that's not true. Right, Even if right, I tell you it is. Right, 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 right. Um, but like not having it, not having to live in it and not having people create it around you is great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously things have to be interesting as you go along the way and a little drama is necessary, but um, it doesn't dictate life. Well, what have you thought? I've loved seeing you talk about issues of, of- poverty, of ambition, 
of fairness, of, of all these things. I really appreciate it. I saw you uh, do it with Global Citizens. I saw you talk about it as you've talked about the new movie. Anything interesting and surprising you feel like you've learned about fairness, about opportunities for people to grow and realize their dreams in the last year or two? And I'm not searching for any particular answer, but I just know that you're fortunate enough to talk to a wide range of people to see different situations. It feels like you genuinely think about it on multiple levels. Have you learned anything interesting about about fairness, about opportunity, about about poverty in the last year or two? I think that um, the one thing that I have recognized, and I'm including myself in it, is, you know, we all talk about being woke and we all talk about being aware of what's just and what's right, but how much are we really doing about it? We ask that que- the big questions from everyone around us, you know, but what are you doing? When is the last time you've driven past, you know, a homeless shelter or a homeless person and, you know, moved on with your life? How desensitized are we as individuals to the world that exists around us because we're so focused on our sole ambition? Um, and I think that's really important to inculcate empathy, compassion in our children, in our acute environment, because both can exist together. You can have, you know, singular ambition and want to make your, you know, sort of pull yourself out of whatever your circumstances are. But at the same time, you can make a larger table as you go along. And within your journey, if we create opportunities for others along our way, that's just going to make a better world, isn't it? Are are you... Do you feel like you do that? And and I don't say that to put you on the spot, but no, you but, don't. But, I mean, but, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You do, do you do you do you feel like you do that? And and how do you do Absolutely. that best? Yeah. I'm I'm definitely not coming from a place of just talking the talk. I I'm, I've been somebody who has walked the walk, and I can only do it in my own way. Um, and as a filmmaker, as a producer, that's what I'm doing. Is you know, my company was built about. Six years ago, seven, seven, eight years ago, I founded the company, but it was not to be a launch vehicle for movies for me. I have done almost 10 movies in India, which, you know, gave opportunities to new directors, new writers, first time filmmakers, um, you know, and told regional local stories. Then even here, I'm... um, doing, building my company, not just creating opportunities for myself, but aligning with like a movie like The White Tiger, for example, a a movie with an all Indian star cast to be the number one movie in one of the largest streaming services in the world is historic. Yeah. Like with, with all brown people, that's not happened. Yeah. You know, and, um, and that gives me pride and that's me walking that walk that, you know, I executive produced that film and I did not want it to be stuck in genre movies and I did not want it to be an independent film. I wanted it to be mainstream and I went after it, you know, to, to give it that kind of um, eyes to be able for the world to see, you know, not just Ramin Barani, who's an incredible filmmaker for his work, but also the talent that um, Adarsh, who's the leading man of <clears throat> of the White Tiger is an incredible actor and I can't wait for him to be unleashed in, onto the world of entertainment. And even Rajkumar Rao, who's a prolific actor in India, but you know, so many people around the world have seen his work now. And you know, that to me is a great sense of pride and joy to be able to bridge that gap 
What, when you give advice to other folks who are trying to do what you are doing, what Ava DuVernay, if you will allow me to put her in the same category, because I feel like both of you are trying to unleash, as you said, uh, more opportunity and you're trying to broaden uh, the space. What's the best advice you've either gotten or given about how to do that, about how to help people reimagine uh, uh, what should be celebrated and enjoyed and, and, and put up for, for, for consumption? By not just talking the talk, by walking the walk, by proving that it's viable, by proving that, you know, um, like Ava and I were having this conversation just the other day, that when I first came into Hollywood, I heard so much of the fact that, you know, movies or entertainment with black and brown people doesn't resonate internationally outside of the U.S., which is why there's not a lot of shows and movies cast with black and brown people as leading um, parts. And in the last five, six years, we've proved that wrong, you know, by movies like The Black Panther or like, um, you know, um, The White Tiger, with movies with leading parts of people that look, uh, you know, outside of what was expected by us, that changes the game. So we can't just keep asking for it. We have to show that it can be done. And that requires large strides and it requires communities coming together and, you know, you know, showcasing and helping and supporting people who are actually trying to do that. And I think it's a wonderful time with streaming being on our side that um, there's such a large appetite for people wanting to consume entertainment from different parts of the world. And, you know, The White Tiger was seen in 160 countries around the world. And, you know, it was number one in almost 60, 70 countries, which goes to show that people are consuming entertainment from everywhere. The, I mean, Parasite winning Best Picture last year is a testament to that again. And, you know, in this amazing time is when we need to be able to create more content that looks like the world really is. Yeah. So where do you find, as someone who's gotten to live in, on multiple continents, not even in multiple places, but multiple continents, anything interesting about where is more progressive or where there's greater opportunity to do these kind of this kind of bold original work, and again, I appreciate the point you're making about streaming allows it to be seen in all these places and then some. But anything interesting between Asia slash South Asia, Europe where you are today, the U.S. and North America where you've thrived as well, in any interesting insights about which of those places may be more or less receptive? I think all of them are as receptive or as less receptive to change as, you know, any industry can be. Um, whenever you're trying to change something, there will always be a resistance. You know, whenever there's a revolution, there's always resistance. So um, I think whenever you're trying to change um, something that has existed for a long time, whether that's in Asia or whether that's in Europe or America, it's always going to have some sort of a fight. Um, you know, when I started working in entertainment business 20 years ago, you know, female leads or female driven projects were not as common. And, you know, where, you know, women shouldered the, the show or a movie. And, you know, I saw that change through my career. And, you know, now when I started working in America, when I came here, I didn't see, you know, um, brown people as leading roles. In fact, when I did Quantico, I was the first South Asian um, lead of a network show ever. And that was 2015 in American television. That's crazy. Um, but, you know, it took 
pounding the pavement and it took breaking down doors and and you know we are seeing the change but i think progress is made by people who demand the change and progress can happen anywhere because every part of the world needs it you can't even compare every culture is different in its own way and in its own progress that is required you know who who inspires you who 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 inspires you mm, life inspires me possibilities inspire me um seeing people make their dreams into a reality inspires me um i love human beings and i love human beings resilience i love people who have dreams and then figure out a way of getting there i think you know i want to be counted amongst those people that have sort of paved their own way Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at oceamalibu.com code SUMMER. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to me about your book. Did you enjoy it? Did, was it was it painful? Was it exciting? Was it a combination? Did you do it because you had to? What, what what made you write the book? No, I didn't have to. I always wanted to write a book. I um, 
I've written a lot of op-eds in my life. Like I was always fond of writing, but I was afraid of the formal structure of writing, you know, like a book or a screenplay. Um, I was approaching 20 years in the business and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something I've been afraid of. And I decided to write the book and um, I thought writing a memoir would be super easy because, you know, it's your life and you've lived it, but it's not. That's not easy at all because you don't remember anything, you know. Um, I had to corroborate my memories with everyone in it. It was, <laughs> it was a really, really hard thing to actually deal with things that I, you know, you'd left behind and you didn't think you were ever going to have to think of. Um, so it was cathartic, healing, difficult, hard. But on the other side of having finished it, I'm really proud of the choices I've made in my life, good, bad. They've, I've been the sum of them and I'm okay with who I am at the end of it. If you had to revisit, because in the process of doing that, you had to revisit a bunch of things. If I gave you a do-over, uh, what would you go back and, and, and take a do-over on in this life? What would you reconsider? Um, I maybe, um, I don't know. I maybe would have taken a little bit more time off when my father was really unwell um, from work. But because my dad was my biggest champion, he used to like force me to go back. He was like, you know, why are you in the hospital? Just go to work. Why aren't you on set? And, you know, I kind of went with it. But in, in retrospect, I wish I had like not done that one movie or, you know, just taken that time to be with him. Yeah. I bet you, though, uh, uh, I can only imagine the level of pride and I can only imagine uh, uh, how it made him smile uh, to see you, not just to see you doing well, but probably to see you as confident as you are and to see you as grounded as you are. And I can imagine without knowing what it must have been like for them to trust and send you to the States and then to see you come back. Uh, this confident young woman must have always been something that when you describe your brother losing his room and, and your dad saying that she needs this room, I can, I can, see, a, uh, I can see a father's pride uh, probably. But you know, my, my parents like really inculcated confidence in me since I was four or five years old. You know, my dad used to be on stage and he used to sing and stuff like that. He used to pull me up on stage. I was never um, shy of people. I was always pushed to have an opinion in the room, especially with adults at five or six years old. I used to always be sitting on the table when my friend, my parents had friends over and they would be talking about adult things, you know, and I would be asked, like, what do you think about that? I was never treated like a child. I was always given credence for my ability to have an opinion. And I think that's what really helped me when I moved to the States is I had a sense of self by my parents before I came to a completely alien new country. Um, which made me feel like I still had, you know, feet to stand on. And even if you move to a completely new, different space, my foundation was strong. And, and who were your parents? Were they hippies? Were they were? Because I assume this was not as common with some. Am I? Have, have, I mean, but, but who were they? That, because I wish I could say when I think about other friends of that generation that they got the same thing. And I'm not sure they got the same thing. And so good on your parents. My parents were very, I, I mean, I don't know what the word is, but progressive in that way um, when it came to 
you know, they both had a really large sense of self themselves. They were very individual people, what they liked, but they came together as a team. And, um, you know, like I remember since I was eight years old, my mom would tell me that you have to have financial independence. It doesn't matter whose daughter you are or whose wife you will be. You will have financial independence, you know, have the courage of conviction. If you, good, bad, ugly, you've decided something, you'll stick up for it. So not to be afraid, not to have your tail tucked in, even if you've made the bad decision, you know, like those were things that, you know, we used to just talk about in everyday life. So it kind of became who I was from at a very young age. It's, it's interesting. I, um, Priyanka, as I think about some of the conversations I've had in the last few months with uh, Padmalakshmi, with uh, your South Asian uh, neighbor, Jamila Jamil, uh, and others, there's a certain level, not only of confidence, but I hope I'm not projecting almost a good hip-hop energy that flows through each of you, that, that, that each of you, it feels like, have a little something extra, both, and, and, I, and I wonder whether, whether that has been part of it, uh, too. I heard the uh, congressman from New York, the new congressman, Jamal Bowman, say that hip-hop actually made him a different person and gave him a level of clarity and confidence that he didn't, he didn't think he would otherwise would have had as a young kid growing up. And I wonder if it doesn't just apply to politicians, but if it applies maybe to um, stars of the screen too. Well, I think, well, at least with the three people that you mentioned, I think it's, it's, it's hustle. And that's the basis of hip hop, isn't it? Is to be a hustler, is to be, you know, go after what you need. And um, I think all three of us probably in, our, our differences and our commonalities had to hustle to, you know, get the opportunities that we've gotten. We weren't handed them and, you know, we had to hustle to get there. So I think, yeah, um, we have that little hip hop energy. You, you know, I like that. I'm going to get you to do karaoke eventually. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to do something fun called rapid fire. If you don't mind, I'm going to hit you with a variety of things and I'd love your immediate reaction. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Other than White Tiger, which I know you really enjoyed, uh, your favorite recent book. What, what book have you enjoyed recently? Oh, um, you know, there's this book called Homegoing, and I've been telling all my friends to read it. It's um, by an author called Yagyazi, and it's an incredible book about the story of these two sisters from Ghana a couple of centuries ago. One was married to a, a slave trader, and one was sold into slavery, and five generations of their family that eventually ends up in like Harlem and in America. And it's, it, I couldn't put the book down. It's a testament of family, of sisterhood, of culture. And I would really recommend that book to you. Wait, do you, do you remember who wrote that? Homegoing. Yeah, it's called Yagyazi. Ya That's her name. Y-A-A-G-Y-A-S-I. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, do you ever do fun uh, kind of staycation things in and around London? And if so... Where is a favorite little haunt? Where is some, some neat little place that if you were going to go hide away for a day or two in and around London, you would go? I don't know. And around London, I'd probably go to the country somewhere and get like a little country house. But right now, everything is still locked down. But in California, I'll tell you, um, we live in um, L.A. I love going to San Cedro, um, the ranch, which is just a little bit outside. It's like three hours out. Um, love it it's sort of like santa barbara vibes and that's a staycation i can do nice all right are you more of a surfer or a rocker i love the ocean but i can't surf i 
can't rock, but I love the rock star vibe. So I think I'm a little bit of both. Okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to I'm going to take that. A celebrity friend of yours that would surprise people. Um, celebrity friend. Um, um, I think Carrie Washington. She is when you meet her, you're just. She's just good people with good energy, and I'm sure everyone who knows, like, who's watched her, knows that. But like, it really is surprising how she engulfs you with so much love and affection. Oh, I love hearing that, and, and big fan of hers. Um, what have you learned about the music business? I always love when couples come together who may not be in the same space, and maybe they can learn something uh, from another space. What have you learned about the mis- about the music business uh, since since being married? Well, I didn't learn anything since being married to make about the music business. I was signed as a a recording artist to Interscope um, for a while. And I did music for a bit. I put out a couple of singles and then I stopped and pivoted back to acting. But what I learned about the music business is that um, at that point, I didn't have anything to contribute to it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm a fan. I'll tell you, I loved being around the most incredible musicians. I had the good fortune while I worked with Interscope to, you know, be in the room with Will I Am, Pitbull, Red One, you know, like Esther Dean, amazing musicians that I collaborated with. Um, and it was a wonderful time. Um, 10 years from now, what should we expect that you'll be doing or could be doing? Hopefully the same thing, but different versions of it. Um, I've just about started my acting career in America. I want to be able to dig deeper as an artist and see where I want to go and the kind of work I want to create. I want to, you know, have a legacy for my production house. Hopefully I would have made um, provocative material that um, would have pushed the envelope a little bit. And yeah, I don't know. I hope this will be, you know, smiling and happy and joyous and um, excited. Uh, What just an absolute pleasure. I, I was a, I was a big fan before. I'm a bigger fan today. I'm. Uh, I, I so I love thinking about you and Kerry Washington and Ava DuVernay and other interesting people, kind of reimagining uh, what's possible. And uh, and I hope you continue to do that. I hope I I, I really I, I think we'll have a better world. I think we'll have a more interesting world uh, if that happens. Or a more true world to what the world actually looks like. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Well, uh, it's a more honest world. You, you know what? And and I love that about your film, and I love that 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 the, you know the the conversation uh, that you have there, the, the honest conversation uh, that you have uh, in the film. In my mind, about truth. I don't know if that's how you would say it, but I felt like you were having a conversation about truth in its many layers and how it can be hard to get at, and so. Um, yeah, maybe maybe that's part of what will happen uh, over the next. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, have a wonderful evening. I'm totally jealous of the fire, and um, and uh, I'm and- jealous of you being in California. <laughs> you know, I would love to be home right now. <laughs> California is not. When are you guys coming back? Do you know if you guys if you guys? I am about- here. Okay. Um, Nick is in Nick is in California. He's working there. I'm in London filming here. So um, I'm only back at the end of the year. I'm not back till November now. Really? Mm-hmm. That's a little hard. 
you know, it takes a long time to make a movie and to make a TV show. It doesn't just happen overnight. <laughs> People don't seem to understand that. It's like, it takes like three months to make one movie, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Wait, but you, you, but you guys are going to be apart that whole time? No, um, Nick's going to fly in and out. I'm going to okay. fly in and out whenever I can. Um, okay. But, you know, that's just how our lives are. We're, we both have extremely individual careers. And, you know, we make sure we find time and our teams are dedicated to doing that. Uh, <laughs> um, it wasn't just us that got married, but our teams also had to get married. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is comedy, Priyanka. I mean, they say families get married and you've taken it to a different level. I love that. That is great. Our teams got married. So did, are the teams happily married? I don't know. They have their moments. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is too good to be true. Uh, former President Clinton uh, used to tell me about his team and uh, at the time, First Lady Hillary Clinton's team and whether or not they got on and some changes he made in order to make sure they did. That's interesting. That's the only other person I've heard say that, that, that the teams. It, it is, really it requires. Yeah. It's a real, especially when you have scheduling issues that span continents and time zones and, you know, and you've got to be able to meet in the middle right. somewhere. It's, right. they've got to work together. <laughs> yeah. That is, that, that's too good. Um, well, I, I love your sense of humor about it and, uh, and, and, and the good smile that you bring to it. And well, we I'm are happy to be in the August company you mentioned. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, uh, it is, uh, it's good. Did you, have you met uh, Kamala Harris yet? You must, you must have met her. I yesterday. haven't actually met her. I haven't actually met her. We have to make that happen. <laughs> we must make that happen. I'm a massive admirer of hers. Oh my, that is I'm going to take that on as one of my missions. I'm taking that there on as go, one Kyle. of my missions. That's great. <laughs> that, you guys both have a wonderful sense of humor. You guys, you guys would, you guys would enjoy each other. I, needless to say, oh, I love that. She's a really uh, thoughtful person, but I, I think a, a warm uh, and very global-minded person uh, as well. And, she comes across as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay, good. You give me a little. You give me a little Tuesday work to do. You got homework. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No small, no small thing. Um, well, uh, well, well. Please be safe. Uh, have a good time uh, with uh, with both the film and the TV show. And um, and I hope I get to meet you in person uh, one of these days. When I hope so too, Carlos. This was so good. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, be safe. Be well. You too. Okay. Bye. See you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends to find us on the iHeart Podcast app and Apple Podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 